Hi, this is acclaimed cookbook author James McNair. It's brunch time, so I've got Judd Bisgy whisking my hollandaise. So I'm introducing the show for him. Judd, don't you dare let that sauce break. What, what, what does that mean, James? <laughs> we may be in trouble here. Um, this episode features the city of Napa spokesperson, brilliant actor, accomplished playwright, and creative theater director Barry Martin. Not surprisingly, he has a great story to tell, and his dramatic improv scene with wine snob robot is not to be missed. Before we get to Barry, you must plan to visit Judd at Judd's Hill, his lovely winery at the south end of the Silverado Trail. Visiting information can be found at juddshill.com, and their fabulous hospitality team will certainly give you the VIP treatment. While online, be sure to check out their wine-paired recipes, poetry, and quirky and entertaining videos. You may even catch a glimpse of me in an episode called This Is Art. Also, put some delicious wine into your shopping cart. As a special perk for you as a listener, type in the coupon code JNVS upon checkout and you'll get 10% off your entire wine order. Hey James, give them 15. Okay, 15% off your entire wine order. There you go. For an even better deal, join the Judd's Hill Wine Club. It's free to sign up and you'll get all their wines, party invitations, discounts on lodging, and plenty of other fun perks. They do throw the best parties. Here, taste this. Mm. I think we better go out for brunch this morning, Judd. <laughs> all right, I'll go start the car. Okay. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heapful of fascinating things to know From witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show On Judd's Napa Valley Show Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show He's here He's here, now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a wine cellar, somewhere under the brick and steel of the KVON studios at Broadcast Park, we once again made contact with our wine master, and here he is, Judd Finkelstein. <laughs> Good morning, Lauren. Well, my goodness, that was very dramatic. Uh, thanks, Judd. Well, that's actually uh, my parody of uh, another talk show intro. Uh, used by another talk show host on another station. But we don't want to mention who that oh, is. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, it's D a mystery. Let's not give out any plugs n unnecessarily. I see. Kind of had a... Well, I won't even guess. I don't know that one, but I was impressed. Lauren Mole, top of the morning. Top of the day, Judd. What's happening in the world of Lauren Mole? Well, I'm happy to announce that as of 10 days ago, I am now gainfully employed. You are? What are you doing these days? Uh, I'm now a courtesy clerk at the Napa Railies. Oh, really? Yes. Wow, so folks can come say hello, see the handsome face that goes with that amazing voice. That's me, and yes, and, and also, shout out to Napa Valley Support Services, all yeah. the wonderful people there, Rick Pina, Jeannie Brown, Ray Elfers, and of course, Artie. Artie party. Yep. Artie Ray's. Orale. Orale. All right, man. Come on down. Well, congratulations. Glad to hear... Uh, Gainfully employed. That's good news. Thanks. And shout out to uh, Felix Castaneda, who's the service manager, and Marianne Russo, who's the store director. And who uh, works the deli? That I don't know. <laughs> okay. 
You never know. You want to give a plug to everybody. Yeah, and and I oh, also more. Okay, yes. I also what have else? something else coming up. <laughs> what you got? Uh, this is involving the Terry Bradford Community Chorus, the Napa Valley Community Chorus. Yes. Conducted by Terry Bradford. We're back at it again with our Christmas concert. This time we're calling it Rock the Season with special guests Napa Valley Ballet, Napa Valley Children's Chorus, and Napa Valley Ballet Folklorigo. This will be at 8 p.m. at the Lincoln Theater on Thursday, December 4th. Tickets are on sale at this time. And if you probably go to where? The Lincoln Theater yes, website? Yes, lincolntheater.com, terrybradford.com, or call this number on the poster, 707-944-9900. Sounds like quite a show. You're going to have the singing, you're going to have dancing, oh, ballet yeah. dancing, folklorico. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Great. And we're great. looking forward to it. I'm looking forward. I hope I can make that. So, uh, any, Oh, yes? Oh, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Well, go. You, why don't you finish up, and then I'll say what I have to say. I, ha- I don't have anything more to say. Okay. No one else to say hello to? No. Any other events plugging? No. Okay, in that case, I'm going to plug a couple events. Okay. Uh, and I'll start further out and come closer in. Okay. Because you mentioned Lincoln Theater. Something coming up in Lincoln Theater that I always have a good time with is the 14th Annual Nutcracker. Ah. Presented by Napa Regional Dance Company. Right on. It's the traditional Napa Valley holiday extravaganza. It's happening at Lincoln Theater. Again, 14th year, December 20th and 21st. Three shows. Go to lincolntheater.com to get your tickets. It's not too early to get tickets. That thing sells out every performance every year. Should be a lot of fun. Heading back then to December 7th, it's the annual Judd's Hill Hanukkah Hootenanny. Never to be missed. Always sold out. I won't get into too many details now, but it's December 7th. That's a Sunday. You can see judshill.com for our event page to get more information. Get your tickets now. And then, coming up, the Sunday of Halloween weekend. That's November 2nd, Sunday. My very band, the Mai Kai Gents, playing our old-time Hawaiian music, will be at City Winery right here in downtown Napa, the Opera House. City Winery presents an end-of-harvest luau with the Mai Kai Gents and Judd's Hill Wine Specials. It's free to attend. It's from noon to 5. There'll be wine and food specials. Come on down, say aloha. We'll be playing music. Tons of fun. City Winery, November 2nd, luau, Mai Kai Gents. Not bad. I don't think so. Mahalo. Would you like to introduce our guest today? Oh, sure, Judd. Uh, Hang on a second. Okay. His message is sharp and focused. He draws a bullseye and throws a dart in. As theatrical maven, his productions heave emotion and are sure to hearten. Today's show should be quite a doozy. One we're glad he's taking part in. Now let's get things going with our guest, Barry Martin. Hey, Barry, hey. welcome back. Oh, hey, Lauren. That was, that was awesome. Do you realize that rhymed? <laughs> yeah, it, it did. Okay. Barry Martin, welcome. Thank you, Judd. Good, Good to see you, man. How's, nice uh, how's the leg? Do you have to get a tetanus shot? What's happening? <laughs> it was, it was a, a very glamorous-looking injury, but I don't think it was really severe. I just wanted to try and attract a little sympathy. I saw a post, a bloody post on yeah. Facebook, yeah. man. You didn't come limping in here, so you must be no. okay. It was really just kind of superficial, but it bled really good, Ooh. so I thought it deserved a picture. Very photogenic. Yeah. Uh, you've you wear many hats. I mean, figuratively, anyway. You didn't come in with one today. You're wearing headphones, but uh-huh. I'm not exactly sure where to start. Why don't we? You know, I'll tell folks you are the. It's the community outreach coordinator for the city of Napa. That is correct. Which means basically you are the spokesperson for the city, correct? Right. I do a a lot of the communications, internal and external, including managing our website, citizen relationship management program that we operate, newsletters, outreach in terms of presentations, media interaction, all that really exciting stuff. 
Well, well, I do want to get into some of that exciting stuff because there's been a lot of excitement around Napa, but you're also, you're an actor, you're a playwright, you're a producer, you're a director. And this is why I'm not sure exactly where to start. Like, what's what's the trajectory here? I, I'm guessing you probably got into acting before you got into community outreach coordinating. Yeah, it's all sort of become part of the same package, but yes, I, I was, uh, I have a feeling you may have been the same. Kind of a ham bone when I was a kid? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I remember vividly my sister, I have three older sisters. Mm-hmm. She had some friends over and they were dressing up the way girls do. They were probably 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And somebody got the idea to put a little berry in a, in a dress. <laughs> yeah. And I was maybe five or six. And so there's pictures of me not just in the dress with like makeup on, but posing, you know, and f- flouncing around and like I'm a showgirl or something. So there, it was just in my blood from day one. I liked it when people reacted, I think. Uh-huh. You know, one thing leads to another. I played Santa Claus in the school play in second or third grade and just, you know, made a meal of it, as they say. Do you remember your lines? There was something about uh, like a ho, ho, ho. Thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was, that's Very all good. I can recall at this point. <laughs> but, good uh, ones for Santa. What I really wanted to be was Mickey Mantle. That's what my dad wanted me to be. Mm. That position had already been taken, so I went on to other things. But uh, it was all about sports where I grew up in Joplin, Missouri, in the Ozarks. Okay, yeah. And my dad was a, a working-class guy who didn't graduate high school, and he thought the only path for poor people to get out of, started to say the ghetto, but we didn't live in a ghetto. We lived out in the country. It was more a hillbilly. Yeah. The only way to get out of that, in his mind, was to get a scholarship for playing sports and go to college. And he wanted me to be a lawyer. I was going to get that, achieve that by being a, an athlete. So he started teaching me to play baseball when I was about three years old, taught me to bat left-handed like Mickey Mantle so I could be a switch hitter. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, it was that was my path. I was on that path. You must have been on some good teams or gotten some good um, play if not, you could switch hit. Uh, not really. I mean, I, oh. <laughs> I was just an ordinary, uh, ordinary little leaguer. I was uh, an early bloomer, so oh. I was the big kid for a while, yeah. and so it was kind of frightening. Uh, and that's always an advantage when you're 10, 11, 12. You see those Little League World Series where there's that kid who got his uh, puberty early, you know, and he's just intimidating everyone. Oh, yeah. We had we had a pitcher on the Yauntville team when I was a kid. Nobody wanted to face. He was exactly. like six and a half feet tall, exactly. 12 years old. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of Scary. that guy. Uh, I couldn't field a ground ball to save my life. I would just let it bounce off my chest and pounce on it. But, you know, I loved I loved to play, but I think I, what I loved about sports was the drama of it, the story that was oh. going on, and always wanting to be the hero, of course. And if things didn't work out my way, I was not happy, and I was the kind of kid who would throw my helmet down, and I would get mm. yelled at for that, and everything was very intense. So you, you connected know? on the emotional level as opposed to the physical level. Exactly. And so I, what point did you figure, okay, well, this is what I should be doing. Instead of getting that baseball scholarship, I should get into yeah. performing. I was a uh, sophomore in high school, and I had reached the point where, for one thing, my eyes had started to change. My astigmatism that I inherited from my mom had kicked in. I couldn't really hit the baseball anymore. I had a back injury when I was about 13 playing football, and like, you oh. know, a, a soft tissue injury that wouldn't heal. And that was agonizing, and I, uh, was, I started to hate it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I was being compelled to do it some right. in some way. I didn't want to anymore. I had always been in music. I had been in choir and band and so forth. Played the bass drum in the band, which was a great job in elementary school. So I had a, an affinity for 
some kind of performance. And in my sophomore year, they needed guys, as they always did for the spring musical, which was Fiddler on the Roof, which was the you know the perfect production for uh, completely Gentile Joplin, Missouri. You know, <laughs> right. so uh, we did that, and I played uh, Perchik, the student, in in that production. And uh, quick, say to life in uh, Yiddish. L'chaim. Thank you. You got the. <laughs> I wanted yeah, to hear it. There, okay, good. Yeah. So you, I passed the first test. <laughs> so that you know that was that sort of started me on this new path, uh-huh. and I decided that this was what really made me uh, happy and, and my, was my passion. So I went from there, became the total switch jock to theater nerd mm-hmm. and uh, majored in theater in college and then uh, expecting to go into some form of uh, the profession. I didn't know what. I ended up in radio instead. In uh, my senior year in college, I, I did a, a show. I directed a show at the community theater in my hometown. I put in the, the little bio in the program, you know, where actors say what shows they've been in. Right. I just put, uh, once this is over, I'm out of a job. Help. <laughs> did, that, did that get you some <laughs> it got work? got me a job. It, it did. got me a part-time job at the radio station. Uh, uh, producer one, one was radio in the station. audience. Yep. Uh, Give the was, kid a break. Uh, he said, you've got a nice voice. And I said, well, it's because I'm trying to sound like I'm 40 when I'm only 20. Mm-hmm. That got me a, an announcer gig, part-time, became full-time. I ended up dropping out of college. I had fallen in love and had a job that paid, you know, the outrageous amount of money, like $100 a week. Wow. You know, I was I was rich, Judd. Not bad. And, and this is in, would you say Minnesota? Joplin, Missouri. Oh, in Missouri. Yeah. So I worked uh, at that station for a couple of years, sort of learned the radio basics. And then my wife and I, we got married very young, moved to Minneapolis. I didn't have a job when we moved up there. We went there because it was a great theater town, the Guthrie was, you know, the great regional theater of the upper Midwest. And so we wanted to be in that culture and had dreams still of getting back into theater, but I didn't. I ended up working at KSTP, which is a pretty legendary station in in the Twin Cities, writing a lot of commercials, producing commercials, uh, doing voiceover work mostly in in that station. From there, um, my uh, story I always love to tell, I found out both that uh, my wife was pregnant and that I was getting fired in the same week. Wow. That was in 1983, I guess. And it was like, wow, that's a, that's a double whammy. Yeah, what I'd, do you do with that? Yeah, I'd never been fired before, and it was just a purge. They were letting like 20 people go. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, the manager said, well, I'm a partner in a station in Bettendorf, Iowa. We're putting a station on there. And I said, where the hell is Bettendorf, Iowa? Sent you down the Mississippi River. Yeah, exactly. Down the river, as, as they say. And so I went down there. And, uh, and, and by the way, Bettendorf, Iowa, the Quad Cities. Quad Cities. I mean, that's Bettendorf, Davenport. Rock Island and Moline. You Fred, got it. Fred Garvin, male wow. male prostitute. Remember Dan Aykroyd of Saturday Night Live? That was that was right. his line. You know, That's servicing right. the Quad Cities That's of right. <laughs> Rock Island and Moline. Yeah, yeah only guys from Chicago would know where that was. Uh, Interesting town that was uh, in the depths of the first farm crisis in the uh, early '80s. Their big employers there were Caterpillar, Case, International Harvester, and John Deere, and. All of them were laying people off like crazy. So it's a great time to start a new business. Yeah, perfect. Send you there. Yeah. Start so anew. We absolutely struggled and starved for two and a half years trying to put a, put this new radio station on the air in the Quad Cities. Uh, m- very marginal success. It was, it was agony. And I was so burned out at the end of two and a half years, I started looking for a new job. I had this two-year-old son and just wanted to get away, and I didn't want to be a manager anymore. I didn't want to be in charge of anything. So I took a job here in Napa at um, what was then the, the night DJ shift uh, over on KVYN. And for about six months, I had this 
under incredible vacation where all I did was spin records and, and tell jokes and be a DJ. So you moved to Napa to take this job. Yep. And it was a night DJ at 99.3 KVYN. 99.3 The Vine. Yeah, give me a rap. Was it a certain night of the week? Was it five nights a week? It's a little Steely Dan for you right there on The Vine. It's yeah. about 10 past nine right now. Coming up, we'll have a little bit more Steely Dan for you. And then later, Steely Dan. So don't go away. <laughs> We can be right back, Jack, and do it again. <laughs> what what era was that when you were over there? What, uh, what years? I came here in 86, summer 86. of 86, okay. right after the big flood, the February flood of 86. Yeah, sure. And people were, uh, it, was, it would rain a little bit, and people would talk about the flood, and I would look at this dry, parched landscape and think, how could there be a flood in this town, this tiny little river? It looks like a creek. You know, and, where I'm and from, that would be a creek. Yeah. Well, I came after it. Oh, you're right. I had no concept of what people were talking about. This flood. Oh, the water was up to here, they would say. Like, how could that possibly be? Yeah, we got stranded. Couldn't even go home for a couple of days. Yeah. We were stuck south of Napa. Yeah. I mean, I saw the photos later, of course, and when I worked for the flood project and everything, learned all about, you know, the history of flooding and whatnot. But at that time, it was like, your people are crazy. It's, it's beautiful here. It never rains. It's, it's the most ideal. It is ideal beautiful. Flood. And you can swim in vineyards at the right time of year. <laughs> I, I just asked when you were here because one of my first jobs was as a nighttime DJ at KVYN. Is that, that was right? starting in 1989. It was. 89? Really? 89. Well, I yeah, was here then. Six to nine on the vine every Sunday night. This is your bud Judd keeping you company until <laughs> you set that alarm for AM Monday. Stick around, we'll be playing some Steely Dan. <laughs> Did you ever say, well, the clock on the wall says it's time for me to fall, so I'll be back with you tomorrow night, same time. I wasn't that smooth, Barry. Yeah, there was a guy I worked with in Iowa who would say that at the end of every shift. <laughs> uh, clock on the wall says it's time for me to fall. That was his thing. So you became a little bit of a local celebrity, I would imagine, uh, having a that shift. Bit. A big a bit. Little. <laughs> a large bit. I mean, you know, once you've got the nighttime spot on right. the line, everybody wants you. You're riding a, a rocket. To Is that how the city came calling, or did you start looking for that work? No, that was much, much later. I ran the stations here and did uh, switched over to the news and talk format. And back in those days when Tom Young owned the station, he really tried to pattern KVON on KGO. Mm -hmm. So we were very similar to them. News and talk, a lot of local interviews, politics, uh, everything that was going on. We were live and local about 12 or 14 hours a day uh, back at that point. We had three people in the news department. It was a really humming local station. It wasn't very sustainable, you know, in terms of a small town having a station with that many people working for it, but um, we kept it going for another 10 years after that. But I, I ran the stations here, did the morning show with uh, some tremendous talents who you'll hear in the Bay Area now, most notably Margie Schaefer, who's oh, on yeah. KCBS, yeah. Henry Mulack, who uh, went to... Uh, KFI, uh, KNX, KNX, I think. Tracy Romine, who uh, was at this big Sacramento station, the call letters escaped me. Lauren uh, is smiling. He knows all these people. Yeah, he, yeah. he knows pretty much every radio personality out there. Yeah. Uh, Darlene Ducharme, who was uh, one of my morning co-hosts and news directors, uh, still in the area, lives over in Sonoma. Scott Craig, who was my partner for six years, now down in Santa Barbara, working for Westmont College. Uh, so we, we had a, a great track record. Joe McConnell, who's known for Metro Traffic. Yeah, Joe McConnell with was, Metro Traffic. He yeah. was the news director here at KVON when I came in 86. Oh, I, didn't, I wasn't aware yeah. of that. He went to Metro just a couple of years after that. Yeah. So this was a training ground station. A lot of people learned um, things about the business and went on from mm -hmm. here to, to much bigger and better things. So it was it was good times, and um, uh, we got had a lot of activity. And then it was about 1996 when the station sold for the first time in 30 years or whatever it had been. Yeah. 
and things started to change at that point. We thought we were going to kind of go big time with the new owner, but it didn't really work out. And I started thinking about doing something else because I used to say, uh, there's nothing sadder than a 40-year-old DJ. And I was starting to feel like I was going to be a 40-year-old DJ if I wasn't careful. Started looking around for something different, got to working with the Flood Project as a public information guy. And partly it was because people knew me and we had been through a few disasters. That made you a believer? Now you could believe that we could flood here? (laughs) Yeah, I did. Yeah, after it happened, what, six times? Right. And so uh, I was was trusted, I think, because people heard me on the radio trying to be calm when crazy things were happening or talking about issues and... Uh, I was never a sensationalist. I was. Uh, I tried to be a combination of Arthur Godfrey and David Letterman. That was my objective in, in broadcasting. That led me into this public information work, a flood district, and I worked for some consultants, did a lot of stuff for Caltrans and, and eventually for the city, and then I got on staff with the city in 2007. So I've been um, the community outreach coordinator since then. And it must be helpful in that role, uh, your theatrical background, um, in order to get in front of people, to get a message across. I'm sure there's some acting involved. Absolutely. I frequently say there are moments when I'm playing the role of the guy who does the spokesman thing for the mm-hmm. city. That's, that's how I see it, and that's how I can uh, comfortably shift from one thing to the next. People talk about their fear of public speaking and how do you get up in front of people. Well, it's not really – it's like any actor or any performer. It's not really me. It's my character of me that does this thing. So when I have, like during the earthquake, six or seven uh, national media all sticking their microphones in my face mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, I'm kind of outside myself picturing what should I look like, what should I be saying, not what do I want to say, or, you know, it's this whole separated existence. How'd that go, the whole earthquake thing? You got a lot of play. I mean, the city of Napa certainly did, and you were the voice of. Um, How'd you prepare for that role? You know, the preparation part of it, I I have to say, uh, this city is really good at doing disasters. Like you said, we've had so many floods, and this has nothing whatsoever to do with me. A lot of training, a lot of experience, a lot of learning from multiple floods, the earthquake in 2000, knowing what to expect and how to be prepared for it. And uh, it's, it's like a well-oiled machine, really, when something bad happens. These people know what to do and how to do it. And it's, it's really, I was proud to be part of the city, cooperatively working with the county, the other agencies, and just getting the things needed to be done for the community at that point. Well, the community certainly worked. You know, local governments seem to be pretty on it. We never fell into chaos here in Napa. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was good. It seemed, like, it seemed like you did know what you were doing. Well, and it's a great community. It was very, you know, the people pulled together. Oh, with, without, without a doubt. Now, I'm curious, you know, you approach your, your job kind of as a role. I mean, you're doing serious work. You're not making light of it, but you prepare as a, it as a role. Now, how does that differ? Because you've played so many roles. You, you have a, quite a range. You've played, I mean, a comedic King Arthur in Spamalot. And you've played Jim Jones in the People's Temple. I mean, how how do you do that? <laughs> I, I don't even know how to how to express that more. But like, I when you see those two together, it's like that's how do you go from one to the other and you know, get yourself ready and actually do those two vastly different emotional roles? What I'm really hoping I have a chance to do, Judd, is to mash those two up at some point. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, You're working on a play right now. <laughs> 
you know, you couldn't you couldn't have picked two more disparate examples. Right. Um, the the People's Temple play Jim Jones and uh, I also played I played the father and the son Jim mm-hmm. Jones and Stephen Jones and Stephen Jones lives over in Marin County. He's about my age. I got to meet him a couple oh, really? of times. Yeah, he's wow. a, he is a phenomenal human being. How is he? dealing with this to this That's day i can't imagine the question. That's the question. hanging over his head like um, that he even brought his daughter to one of the performances because oh he wanted her to see it too Jeez. Uh, it was it was the most deep experience i've ever had on stage uh, it's kind of a ridiculous to even have to say that but mm-hmm. when you're playing a real person it takes on a different level of importance i guess to mm-hmm. get it right and to know that he was going to see the show, and I got a chance to speak with him, and I did a lot of research. I read a few books about uh, about the whole experience. Jim Jones was easy to play because he was a charlatan and a sociopath and a, and a, and a very superficial. You know, this, what he said, he didn't believe half of the time. So he mm. was just a showman putting on an act. Playing, and you found that easy to play? Easier to play. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a big blustery guy, and... Um, you know, saying outrageous things. That's easier to do than play a real person, Stephen Jones, who in the play is relating his feelings as all this was happening mm. and how he thought he could have changed the outcome if he had just done something and how he uh, he and his friends talked about killing his father to stop this madness. Is and that so, right? Yeah. It's intense. It's intense. And I had uh, a stomach ache for six weeks during rehearsal of that oh. show. Uh, going, trying to channel that those feelings, and it was. And I'm not a real method actor, to be honest. But you can't avoid uh, dropping down into that story. Mm-hmm. And all of us that were in that cast, and it was a terrific cast of people, and we're still pretty close today uh, from that experience of trying to understand how did people let this happen to them. And interestingly, it's a lot like uh, all, all this discussion about domestic violence these days. Why don't people leave? Yeah. We learned a lot about that. Why don't people leave when they're in an abusive situation? Well, because it's the only thing they know, Mm. because it's actually better than what they had before, because they're part of something, in the case of a cult, even when it's become abusive and crazy. So it's just a, it was a phenomenal experience of psychology and human nature and all that stuff. Contrast that with Spamalot, which was <laughs> none of those things. Spam- Singing and dancing yeah. and jokes galore. Yeah. Bright side of life. Uh, that was paying homage to a style of comedy that I felt had contributed a lot to what I personally thought was funny growing up. Uh, between the Marx Brothers and Monty Python, W.C. Fields and other influences, you know, yeah. the original Saturday Night Live, uh, SCTV, those kind of things all, sh- all shaped, yeah. you know, what I thought was funny. And to get a chance to say those famous lines mm-hmm. from the Holy Grail, to get a chance to play the role that Graham Chapman played to such perfection, I really focused more on on him, on Graham Chapman, trying to do him justice. Mm, that's uh, nice. Yeah, we'll tribute just, to, Jer- yeah. to Graham. Yeah. Imagine, you know, how what his face looked like. That incredible look of frustrated stupidity that he could get uh, or like I'm smarter than the rest of these people but why am I still so stupid so there was a, it was a, a terrific amount of fun to you know to replicate that you feel like you're sort of giving a, a, a tour through the museum of, of great comedy for the for the fans and it's the first and only show I've ever been in where people would cheer when they recognize what the scene was going to be oh yeah they like, know what's uh, coming yeah. already oh it's the black knight you hear them talking in the audience yeah, it's the black knight Swamp Castle, Swamp Castle. Well, what experiences you've had on the stage? Let's talk about more of your experiences on the stage and a little bit about your production company when we come back from these messages. We have Barry Martin 
Master Thespian and Community <laughs> Outreach Coordinator for the City of Napa. Sounds so good. We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show right after these messages. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of Finkel fun. <laughs> and now, back to Judd's Napa Valley Show with me, Lauren Mole, and Judd Finkelstein. As today we welcome back Barry Martin. Barry Martin, welcome, sir. <laughs> We've been hearing about your work as community outreach coordinator for the city of Napa. Right. That means when things happen in Napa, you're telling everyone about it. I reach out and touch people. Thank you. Ooh. <laughs> and we just were getting into your life of the theater. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about you, theater. Let's talk about Lucky Penny. Okay. Take it away. I took a uh, about a 30-year break from live theater from college until six years ago. I hated it a whole 30 years. I hated a whole 30 years. Uh, I wanted to get back. You hated not being hated in not theater. being theater. I didn't realize how much I was missing it, but being on the radio was my performance mm-hmm. you know, day after day, so it was fulfilling that need I had to perform. But I missed the challenge of live stage acting because there's nothing quite like it. Films, TV, radio, nothing can compare for me because You've got to know an hour and a half to two hours of something. It's got to happen in sequence. The timing has to be right over and over and over again. There's no second take, right? And so it's just a wonderful tightrope walk for, for an individual and for 30 or 40 or 50 people at a time. So it's just really thrilling to do. So I eventually broke down and auditioned for a show at the old Dreamweavers Theater, which is right down the street here, mm-hmm. River Park Shopping Center. And that was in late 2008. It was a play called The Dining Room. Uh, which involves six actors, each playing eight or nine different characters through the course of the show. I thought, this will be fun. This will be like an acting class, get my chops back if I have any. And I had a lot of doubts whether I could still do it or not. The best thing that happened as a result of doing that was that I met Taylor Bartolucci doing that show. And we hit it off just immediately in in talking about our what we liked, the shows we liked, what we would want to do in the future, uh, theater-wise. Uh, no one was doing musicals in Napa at that point outside of the schools. So we started talking about musical theater and what we loved. We were just simpatico, you know, from from day one. And we started saying, wow, we should do our own shows. We should put on our own shows, which was just a silly uh, pie in the sky because we didn't have the wherewithal or a place or anything. Yeah. Uh, and in the midst of all this, you know, the excitement when you meet somebody and become friends, an opportunity presented itself. And a friend of mine, Melody Hilton, who you may know, yeah, used I know to Melody. work for the wine train. Right. She said, we're looking for somebody to produce a show in the wine for the wine train for our 20th anniversary. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And I said, we'll do it. And uh-huh. <laughs> that was the opportunity. That knock, knock. All right. And we just walked into it and we found a show within like a week, picked out a script. We formed the company. We came up with the name. Lucky Penny name was derived from the uh, the film Waiting for Guffman. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> yeah. A penny for your thoughts. A penny for your thoughts. Yeah. You got mm-hmm. it. Great. Uh, one of my favorite films. Yeah. So that's where that came from. We created a logo, a website, uh, got a business license, and boom, we were in business. We each put $200 from our personal bank accounts into the show. Show fund, and we hired a couple of our friends to act with us and stage manage, and we put the show together.
together on about 13 rehearsals, and people really liked it. We did it in a very different way than anybody was doing, you know, community-type theater mm-hmm. here at that time. And it, it clicked so well, we just thought, well, we got to keep this going. We started talking, wouldn't it be cool if five years from now we were doing shows in the Opera House? And lo and behold, Evie Warshawski was in the audience for this first production and said, why don't you guys come do a show at the Opera House? She was the artistic director. Yeah, so five months later, we were doing our first, our second production was our first show in the Opera House in the Cafe Theater. And you've done many since then, many wonderful productions, yeah. and, and one that you were not in but directed, Funny Girl, which proved mm-hmm. so popular. Did it get extended? You moved. You even had to take it to another theater for yeah. a while. Yeah. Oh, by the way, that reminds me, I read a quote when that Funny Girl was here in Napa that Pierce Carson, here of the Napa Valley Register, wrote in his um, review that the uh, play was skillfully and lovingly staged by Barry Martin, <laughs> the director. So I'm curious, you know, definitely got the skill, you've been doing this well. How do you get the love to show through? Mm. How, how, how did he know it was lovingly staged? Mm. What did you do to get that across? That's a good question. Uh, I, I, I have to say, there's I've never really directed a show that I didn't somehow fall in love with, if I mm-hmm. wasn't already in love with the show, the characters. Seeing characters in a play as real people is what makes it click for me. And whether they're completely fictionalized or whether they are based on real people or portraying real people, if a script is worth anything, it has some kind of truth in it about human nature. Mm. That's the whole point of doing theater is that we shine the light on human nature. We learn something about ourselves. We empathize with it. I think that's a really nice thing that Pierce said, and I didn't really remember that he had said that, but uh, I, I would want that to come through anything that I directed or any character that I portrayed as an actor was that you cared about them. Uh, really, doing Funny Girl was, a, was one, again, one of our five-year goals, and we, we uh, did produce it in 2013, so we, we made that goal too, and then staged it again this year in Santa Rosa. But Fanny Bryce was a character that it was very easy to fall in love with. Yeah. And uh, she was a phenomenal person as well as a phenomenal performer and a huge star. And so it was easy to get into Fanny's world. I would talk to the cast about that. We're part of Fanny's world. We needed mm-hmm. to understand what it was like to live in that time and who Flo Ziegfeld really was and who Nicky Arnstein really was. So, you know, the more you let yourself steep in a period or a story, the more you can fall in love with it. It's wonderful. Well, obviously, you got it across. I certainly enjoyed it, and Thanks. obviously, the, the register did too. Yeah. Whoop. What's oh, happening? What's that happening? sound means it's time for our lightning round. Isn't that right, Lauren Mole? Yes, it is. Barry Martin, you have been in many plays over the year, a lot of musical theater, yes. played many roles. Yes. We're going to do this as quickly as possible. I'm going to name one of the productions. You tell me what part you played and give me a snippet of a line or a little bit of the tune you may have mm. sung in that. Are you ready? Mm. Here we go. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Ah, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I played the role of uh, Lawrence. Uh, I've forgotten his last name already. It's only been a few months. Uh, Lawrence Jameson. Lawrence Jameson, who was also uh, Dr. Schufhausen. Dr. Schufhausen. Dr. Emil Schufhausen. Uh, and uh, let's see. see uh, uh, um, and a line. This uh, says... This, uh, Swishy little, squishy little, vishy-washy, crazy little strudel in his noodle makes him lazy in the legs. <laughs> Perfect. Spamalot. Spamalot. Uh, I played the role of uh, King Arthur. Arthur, King of the Britons. Uh, I am Arthur, King of the Britons. I have ridden the length and breadth of this land in search of knights to join me in my court at Camelot. 
The People's Temple. People's Temple. Uh, I don't remember any lines from that at all, but as I, I mentioned earlier, I played uh, Jim Jones and his son, Stephen Jones. Okay. Kiss Me, Kate? Kiss Me, Kate. Uh, a big favorite first show I did at Sixth Street Playhouse with, uh, with Taylor, Fred slash Petruchio yeah. in the great Cole Porter uh, shows. Strange, dear, but true, dear, when I'm close to you, dear. <coughs> and finally, it. how about The Lion in Winter? Lion in Winter, another, oh, God, what a great opportunity. Henry II, in the, the mostly true depiction of his life with his wife, Eleanor of Aquitaine, and his sons, one of whom was Richard the Lionheart. Gosh, um, Henry had no sons. He, I can't remember. That's great, though. It's a great speech. It's a great speech at the end of Act You've won our lightning round. Lauren Mole, tell him what he's won. A trip to Las Vegas. That's right. When are you free, Lauren? Right after that. Go out there, start thumbing. The First great, round is on me. The when Greyhound you get there. leaves at two thirty. That's that. right. We should probably talk about the new art center you have coming yes. along. And uh oh, whoa, what's that? Uh-oh. What's happening? Uh oh. Okay, hold on. I'm turning that up, turning that down. You know what? Actually, I planned this. I didn't realize it was coming in right who now. Is that? Who is that? This. Okay, I'm going to explain who this is, Barry. You see his odd manner, and thank you for not barging in this time. I was a little surprised when you first jumped in. Hello. Hi. This. Our listeners know this as Wine Snob Robot. It's a, it's a great feature. Uh, I say great. I don't think anyone else has enjoyed having him. in these. Anyway, uh, he has insulted many of my guests. However, we took him back to the Judd's Napa Valley Show Labs, a little reprogramming. I asked him to come in today. He is not Wine Snob Robot. He is now Improvisational Comedian Robot. Hopefully, we've gotten all of the snob out of him. We're wow. going to find out. How are you feeling today? I'm, I'm a kindler, gentler robot, eager to display my improv skills with Barry. That's wonderful. Barry, I know you are an actor probably skilled in improvisational acting and comedy. We have programmed here Mr. Uh, Robot into being an expert of improvisational comedy. I went on Twitter earlier under my at Judd's Hill handle and asked folks to send in stuff. So I asked for two professions and a geographic location. Let's see. Miss At Miss Myrtle 2 suggested one of those uh, professions be a politician. Hmm. And I think I'm going to give that to Barry. Oh, Barry, you're going to take that one. She also suggested the other person, maybe not a career, but a five-year-old, a five-year-old child robot. You're going to take the five-year-old child. It's a a delicious setup, if I might say. (laughs) And the location uh, suggested here by Madame uh, Krista Olivendifor uh, says Grand Canyon. You guys are at the Grand Canyon. We have a politician and a five-year-old child at the Grand Canyon. Take it away. Go. Wonderful. Uh, Well, here we are at the 6,000-foot hole in the ground, and it's great to see you. Well, what I'd like to say is that um, this achievement of this canyon has been one of the pride points of our administration. Um, We, of course, um, found funding for this canyon uh, in the budget in uh, 1997. And we, we brought it to fruition through the hard work of a lot of people on, on both sides of the aisle, to be honest. Uh, so we have to give, uh, give credit where credit is due. How do you feel about it, son? Well, I don't know where my parents are, but it's a wonderful stump speech. I'm thoroughly entertained by your political prowess. And kudos to you, sir. And I'd like to hear more, maybe the, just the two of us. Who, who told you about my political prowess? Was it that, um, that intern? Because... 
Uh, none of that is true. I just want you to know it's off the record. It was an educated guess. I'm looking around, and there's a, a mostly a female audience between the ages of 42 and 69. I'm the only male here, and I'm five years old, so I've, I've made some assumptions. I was... Um uh, I've, I've been re trying to reach out to the younger demographic, so I'm glad that you could be here. When will you be able to vote? Uh, by my calculation, uh, for you, I would say never, but that doesn't mean I'm not thoroughly enjoying your persona here it's just today. It's be just because you don't understand all the, 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 the varieties of my platform. I have a broad and a sweeping platform that's good for all of America. And uh, this, uh, you know, presence here in the Grand Canyon is uh, is is very fitting because uh, it's a big hold. We can uh, uh, we can share. We can share the hold together. Well, obviously, a lot of holes are going to be shared with this audience. I notice I, I am five years old. I'd love to have one of those lollipops you're handing out to all the women here. <clears throat> <laughs> or not uh, I don't know I'm new at the improv game I am after all just a darn hunk of bolts and metals and switches and a motherboard so forgive me mm -hmm. are you, you feeling alright there robot? no I'm not feeling alright I've actually had a hard time lately I'm not oh, okay attention I'm no longer the five year old boy I'm now back to myself the wine snob robot and I recently had a terrible breakup and I'm very sad about it Oh, why snob robot? I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that. Yeah, well, she worked for NASA. Uh, she had more terabytes in her pinky than I have in my whole metal hard casing. Well, what, what, what do you, what are, you, what is your plan? Are you, are you going to hit the road and find new love somewhere else? I was hoping Barry would offer some advice. Uh, recently, I dated an assembly line robot for a Hyundai plant. Uh, who? Let's just say she took on a little more oil than I, I enjoyed. Then I dated an old ATM machine, and finally the other night I went home with a shop back. It's a very sad state of affairs. Oh. Well, you know, uh, you know what they say about female machinery. You know, you, you, you can't live with them. You can't take them apart. So. Uh, I think you stole that from Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it wasn't all bad. The shop vac did have various suction attachments. Ooh, so snob robot. There was well, some, some, you know. thought this was a family show. <laughs> this, but for, for cleaning up, he's programmed as a janitorial services as well, I correct? See, I see. Well, I, I, look, I just, it's been hard, you know. Uh, I wish Barry could share with me the human experience of lovemaking with, you know, the warm-blooded tissue of male and female parts. For me, it just ends up being a whirring hard drive forcing itself into a USB port or an audio jack. Do you, uh, when you say sharing the lovemaking experience, uh, would, you, would you mean me talking about it? I hope that's what you mean. Yes, you, oh, okay. you were speaking of empathy earlier, ah, and that yes. was my... I take yes. Well, you know, when you're when you're when all your circuits are at their operating temperature, their their optimum operating temperature, you know, and everything is just uh, well lubricated, and um, you know, and everything's clicking. Pieces are fitting together, and you know, that's that's kind of what it's like. This is some of the best improv work I've seen to date. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal work, Barry. I, I if I wasn't so in such agonizing pain, uh, what's happening in my body, Judge? Judge, what's going on? Oh my God. What's, oh no! Smoke is emitting. Robot. Gears are grinding, Judd. I, I'm not feeling well. What's happening, Judd? This is my my customary blow up. Improvisational comedian robot, uh, everyone. Lauren, bad. get the parts back to the lab.
We're going to do yes, a little sir. tweaking. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Barry, for being a good sport. Gosh. In the few moments that we have left, tell us about what's happening with Lucky Penny in the new Arts Center. We've got a couple minutes, and then we got to get out of here. But I want folks to know that if you listen to the podcast version of this, if you go to iTunes, look up Judd's Napa Valley Show, if Barry has a couple minutes, we are going to do a little bit more okay. because there's some more cool. I want to hear from him. Awesome. But tell me how folks can get involved and what's happening. Yeah, we are, we being Lucky Penny Productions, uh, our board of directors, which includes nine people in addition to Taylor and myself, are uh, working at developing a center in Napa where people can rehearse and uh, learn the craft of uh, various types of arts and produce or present them in all in one space. It's about 7,000 square feet. It's out off of Industrial Way in the north side of Napa, very centrally located for where a lot of people live and work these days. It's a, it's a light uh, industrial warehouse kind of space that uh, you might think of as sort of an arts factory uh, kind mm. of area. And we're hoping to do not just performing arts, uh, music, dance, and theater, but uh, all kinds of uh, performance activities. I'm, I'm dying to talk to you about getting your band out there to play. Would love to do it. We need, we need uh, one of the really uh, desperate needs is improvisational robot comedy. Okay. So we're looking to get Lauren's a, working a on putting them back together. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, no, but you know, it's a wide variety of stuff. We're talking with puppeteers. We're talking with uh, dance uh, professionals, um, acoustic music, stand-up comedy. There's a million things we can do in addition to the you know theater that we like to produce ourselves. Wow. So um, the excitement never ends yeah, with you. Yeah. And thanks for bringing that to the community of Napa. It's going to be we're we're just thrilled. It's a great opportunity. We needed a place, and we decided not just to make a place for ourselves, but to make a place that the community could use. And we want to keep it affordable. Yeah. Very hands-on, very community-focused. Well, folks, if you don't want to wait until the next natural disaster here in the city of Napa and you want to see Barry Martin, you can go to LuckyPennyNapa.com right. to find out what's happening with Lucky Penny Productions. Is there anything coming up like right now? Uh, we are uh, starting rehearsals for our production of Oliver, which will be our first show in the new space. We've got about 30 people involved in it, including 15 or 16 local kids. Uh, it's super fun to have all those kids and that kid energy to do a great musical like Oliver, based, of course, on Oliver Twist by a guy named Charles Dickens. Fantastic. And if you want to read some of Barry's plays, you can go to playsbybarrymartin.blogspot.com. Wow. Forgot that even existed. Check out the podcast of this if you're listening live right now, because we're going to do some Mad Libs, we're going to do some donuts, we're going to have some more fun. Until then... This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gillamar production. And now, exclusive podcast content. Some things you never heard on this episode when it originally aired. That's right, Lauren Mole. We're continuing. We had so much fun on the live radio show that we're keeping it going. And the first thing we have to ask, Barry, is you get asked a lot of questions, being the community outreach coordinator for the city of Napa, national, international media. Has anybody ever asked you, and I want an honest answer, do you go nuts for donuts? No one has ever asked me that. Judd, uh, I've been waiting for someone to ask me that for many years. And your honest answer? Do I go nuts for donuts? Yes. Like, Do you go nuts for donuts? Like a mother. Well, here we are. Look, here you go, Mama. Wow. There is a box of donuts of quite a variety. What I want you to do is choose one of those donuts. We've got some mm -hmm. pink sprinkle, a chocolate raised, a mm -hmm. maple old-fashioned. That? that is a uh, sugared buttermilk nub. <laughs> 
I want a sugared buttermilk nub in my mouth. Okay, and you've got one, sir. Oh, 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 oh com- improvisational. Com- politician. He can't let it go. <laughs> Thank you, improvisational comedian. Robot. All right, here we are. Pure sugar with a lot of grease. No, oh, it's, it's one of Buttercream's finest. Delicious. It's a beautiful Napa day. You're nibbling on that nub. And you are inspired now to complement that with what role as an actor? Um, or line of dialogue, perhaps. Alas, these donuts, I know them so well. These are the donuts of my youth. The donuts I held so lovingly in my hand. So many times with my friends, Jimmy and Freddie. <laughs> Down by the waterfront, we would eat the donuts, including... The sugary nub, the old-fashioned, and the glazed. Lovely scene. Thank you, Barry Martin, Master Thespian. And now it's time to play everyone's party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show. This is Mad Libs. That's right, Barry Martin. We're about to play everyone's favorite party game. It's Mad Libs. It's the the fill-in-the-blank word game. You know how it goes. What I want you to do is fill in the blanks as I ask you for them. And the first thing that I need is an adjective. An adjective? Dangling. Dangling. Let's see if I can... This pen is dangling down. Okay, dangling. Next, I need an adjective. I gave you an adjective. I need another adjective. Uh, Swervy. Swervy. And uh, I need an adjective. What's with all adjectives? Um, Unbalanced. (laughs) Are you feeling that right now? A bit. Okay. I think it's the sugar. Mm, that nub. Another adjective. Uh, cabbage covered. <laughs> cabbage covered. <laughs> okay, here it is. Cabbage covered. And from you now, I need an adjective. Uh, there are other parts of speech, you know. Well, you know, you're, you're good at describing things. Um, slimy. Slimy. Two more. The first one, I will need... An adjective. Um, I'm looking at the donuts. I'm saying delicious. Delicious. And finally, Barry, an adjective. Oh, Judd. Um, Supple. Supple. All right. Now what you've done is uh, giving me several adjectives. What I did earlier is I went online to luckypennynapa.com, looked up some of the buzz about you, and uh, found this write-up from the Napa Valley Register from November 2009 talking about your production of the play Looking. Uh You've just rewritten what Sasha Paulson wrote. Apologies to Sasha Paulson uh, via this Mad Libs game. Here you go. Lucky... Penny Productions, I'm getting close, I want your reactions here. (laughs) Lucky Penny Productions, Napa's newest theater troupe, has scored a double triumph here. First, it's a dangling and swervy production. (laughs) And second, they've achieved a collaboration with the Opera House, which has provided them with performance space in the intimate and unbalanced cafe theater (laughs) downstairs from main stage. Lucky Penny founders Barry Martin and Taylor Bartolucci take on the roles of Andy and Val, while Karen Argood and Peter Downey play Nina and Matt. It's a quartet in cabbage-covered form. (laughs) Slimy and all too human, says Sasha Paulson of the Napa Valley Register. I I think we actually improved on it. Well, I I would go see that, definitely. I I have been looking for some good cabbage-covered 
theater. Maybe a new subsidiary. Uh, now you you gave me a couple others. This is this is your own description of your own company here. As Napa Valley's premier theater company, Lucky Penny Productions creates, develops, and presents delicious quality theater and fosters supple opportunities for youth and adults in our community. And now I think it's only fair we give you what you really wanted to say was, as Napa Valley's premier theater company, Lucky Penny Productions creates, develops, and presents professional quality theater and fosters educational opportunities for youth and adults in our community. Mm. It's something about being delicious and supple that's really enticing to me. I think maybe we need to change our mission statement. And on that note, Barry Martin, thanks for coming in and being our guest. This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gil Lamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.